Amen. The Lord is good. I love that song. He's a good, good father. He's certainly been good to me. I don't know why I'm his favorite child. I just am. That's the way he makes me feel. And don't be concerned. You come a close second. Praise God. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. I'm Jerry Savell. And I have the privilege of sharing the word with you today. Praise God. Amen. I just want to thank God I'm alive. Glory to God. (laughs) And I'm well. And I'm strong. Fully recovered. Hallelujah. Amen. It's good testimony. Open your Bibles this morning to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 22. Oh, before I begin reading. I have a grandson with a birthday today. Come up here, Kai. Kai is nine years old today. How about that? Amen. Happy birthday. You going to help me preach? Got your preacher suit on. Man, you look sharp. I love you, buddy. <laughs> okay, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23, uh, 22. Let us hold... I'm sorry, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Can people that live by faith have assurance? Yes, sir. Praise God. A lot of people don't think so. Come on. We're just living by faith. (laughs) Never know what God's going to do. How many Christians you ever heard say that? There's entire denominations say that. We're just trusting God, just living by faith. Never know what God's going to do. That's quite the opposite of what Paul said here. And many believe Paul's the writer of the book of Hebrews. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from all evil conscience and our body is washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Other translations say confession. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Everybody say, without wavering. wavering. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. Now, Living by faith is my profession. (laughs) That's what I do. That's what I do, man. That's what I do. Amen. I love that. That um, NBA championship game, they went into the locker room of the winning team and said, how'd you beat those guys? Man, you just just beat them handily. He says, what we do, man, is what we do. Look at somebody and say, that's what I do, man. I live by faith. That's what I do. Amen. Notice holding fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Now, it didn't say that we never have the temptation to waver. We've all faced that from time to time. We've all faced the temptation to compromise, 
or to say it's not working. That's not a sin unless you continue to yield to it. So he says, let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. Without wavering is a definition of faithfulness. And then it goes on to say, for he is faithful. In other words, be like God. You don't see God wavering. You don't see God compromising. He is faithful. Everybody shout, he is faithful. So let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. Now, when is that verse most important? When you feel like wavering. <laughs> Amen. When you're facing adversity. Remember that. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. When you're under pressure and you think it looks like it's not going to come to pass, Nothing's working. I don't have any indications in the natural that what I'm believing for is going to come to pass. Remember, let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. Sometimes you just have to take yourself by the ear and pull yourself in front of a mirror and say, you are not going to waver. Do you hear me? You are not going to waver. You're not going to compromise. You're not going to give in and you're not going to give up. And if you walk away thinking of giving up, pull yourself back in there and just keep saying it and keep saying it and keep saying it until you're determined that quit is no longer an option. Can you say amen? You have to fight the good fight of faith. It's a fight because we have an enemy. We have an adversary. Paul said, I have kept the faith. Well, that means that he could have let go of it. And if anybody had the right to let go of the faith, it was the Apostle Paul. I don't think any, anybody's ever been through more adversity than that man. But yet he said, I have kept the faith. I have fought a good fight. That needs to be your testimony. I have kept the faith and I have fought a good fight. Look at somebody and say, I have kept the faith. And I have fought a good fight. Amen. That's what you should dare to believe for. Amen. Your testimony. When it's all said and done, I kept the faith. Praise God, I kept the faith. If we should die before the appearing of the Lord, that's what, that, that's what we should have on all of our tombstones. We kept the faith. I fought a good fight. Amen. Now, I want you to go to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And let's begin reading in verse 10. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor perfecting one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Look at verse 11 once again. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. 
Fervent means excited. It means glowing. It means intense. It means fiery. And it means passionate. Now what Paul is saying here is that that's how we should be living our lives before God. And yet that's not the description of many Christians' lives. Exciting. Glowing. Intense. Fiery. Passionate. Amen. That's the way each and every one of us should live our lives before God. I'm going to say it again. Exciting. Is anybody excited in here about God? Amen. Excited. Glowing. Hallelujah. Intense. Fiery. Passionate. Passionate about God. The New Living Translation says, serve the Lord enthusiastically. Enthusiastically. Uh, The New Century Version says, serving the Lord with all your heart. That means don't hold anything back. Serving the Lord with all your heart. Don't hold anything back. The New International Version says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. And the word fervor is very similar to fervent. It means intense, excited, glowing, and passionate. So once again, this is how Paul says that every believer should live their lives. And notice he didn't say if everything's going well. This is the way we ought to live our lives every day of our lives. Whether things are going well or not. Brother Jerry, how can I be excited when I've got tests and trials and I've got adversity? Well, James says, count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into temptations, tests, and trials. The way that you learn how to count it all joy is because you know it's not forever. It's seasonal. Every test has a time limit. Amen. Every test has a time limit. It's not forever. Peter said, uh, though you go through trials for a season, and you don't know, about the time you were ready to give up, the season could have been over. Amen. I, I know that every test and every trial is seasonal, and that's the reason I'm going to keep standing. Because today may be the day that the manifestation comes. Hallelujah. That motivates me. That's the reason I refuse to give up. It's because I know that any moment now, this thing could be over. You know, I've gone to bed at night needing hundreds of thousands of dollars by the end of the week. Don't know where it's coming from. Trusting God. Believing his word, I know I'm a sower. I've sown toward it. I know I have a right for a harvest. I don't know when it's coming, but go to bed at night wondering where in the world is it coming from, but determine that I'm not giving up, determine that I'm going to stay in faith. And many times I have awakened the next morning and during the course of the day, it manifested, praise God. And I'm so glad I didn't give up. That's right. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. God is faithful. 
We read that at the beginning. God is faithful. Somebody shout, God is faithful. And he's faithful all the time, praise God. Amen. For many believers, the fire has gone out. They're not fervent in spirit. I like to say, they're just holy smoking. (laughs) Smoke indicates there was a fire there one time. Amen. When you see smoke, that used to be a fire. And some people, you can tell when they walk through the door, just a little smoke, you know, <laughs> coming out of the top of their head, you know. Don't be holy smoking. Be fervent, praise God. The message translation says, don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Don't quit in hard times. Look at your neighbor and tell them, don't quit in hard times. Don't quit in hard times. Amen. Keep burning, praise God. Stay fervent. Many are just going through the motions. They've lost their passion for the things of God. Some people come to church because they're afraid not to. <laughs> you know? That shouldn't be the reason why you come to church. come to church (laughs) amen hear the word praise God show the devil it ain't over praise God can you say amen Amen. a lot of people on the verge of what the message translation referred to as burning out and my friends that is not what positions you to receive God's best burn out Christians don't receive God's best This is what was happening to many of the believers in Galatia when Paul wrote this Holy Ghost-inspired letter to them. Let's go to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. And look at verse 19. My little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. And notice he made it clear that he was praying or travailing in birth again. He'd already done this before. He already interceded for them before. He came to them preaching the word and they received it with joy. Later, false teachers came in and denied his apostleship and said he did not receive his message from God or from the Lord Jesus. And eventually they fell for the false teaching and they lost their fervency. They lost their passion. They're turning back. And he says, now I'm having to travail again in prayer for you. The message translation says, until Christ's life becomes visible in your lives. Until Christ's life becomes visible in your life. Amen. Amen. Now, serving the Lord was no longer a number one priority in their life. They had lost their zeal. And it was primarily through the adversity they were going through, false teaching, and deception. And it's still the same way today. That's the three primary reasons why people lose their fervency. People turn back. 
is because of the adversity that they're experiencing, false teaching, and deception. Amen. And you can see a lot of Christians today that fall for the same things. I, I, you know, I have preached since 1969 in America alone, over 3,500 churches. And many of them I've gone back to numerous times. And every time I go back to a church that I have visited in the past numerous times, I always start looking for those people who shouted the loudest the last time I was there, who ran the fastest, you know, who, who, who were excited, uh, who were amening everything I said. I always look to see if they're still there. And many times they're not. And in many cases, they're not going to church anywhere. The adversity, the false teaching, the deception led them astray. And Paul was amazed at how the Christians in Galatia allowed this to happen. This is not the way he lived his life. They lost their zeal. And in fact, in chapter 3, Paul calls them foolish. Look at this, chapter 3. He says, oh, foolish Galatians, verse 1. Who hath bewitched you? And that word bewitched means charmed. Who has charmed you with another gospel, which there is no other gospel, Paul said. He said, if any other angel come preaching another gospel, then let him be accursed. You know what that means? It's a bold word. Go to hell. Amen. He said, if any anyone, including an angel, Satan has the ability to transform himself into an angel, sounding good, people are deceived, not by something that doesn't even sound like the gospel. They're deceived by something that does sound like the gospel. Amen. You know, Satan came and tried to tempt Jesus. And he said, it's been written. Go ahead and jump off this pinnacle of the temple. The angels will bear thee up. That sounded good. But there's nowhere where God said, tempt him. (laughs) Amen. And Jesus answered him with Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. That's right. Amen. Amen. Satan can quote the word, but he misquotes it. And he adds a little touch to it. Makes it sound good. Now I'll give you a great example. There's a lot of people being deceived by some of the teaching on grace today. And they get the idea that they can just live any way they want to live. We're not under the law. Well, we're not under the law. And we just live any way we want to live. And, you know, it's okay because we live under grace. Come on now, make it 
No, you can't live any old way you want to live. If that's so, then Paul wouldn't have written this letter to the Galatians because they were in error and they were believers, New Testament believers. They were in error and he rebuked them for it. So you can't just live any old way you want to live and say, I'm under grace. No, you're under stupid. That's what you're under. You can't live any old way you want to live and expect God's best. Amen? And you need to be careful of what you fall for. I have discovered, now I've been in this, let's see, what's today? February what? Okay. Well, yesterday was my spiritual birthday, and I forgot. February the 11th. Uh, 48 years old in the Lord, praise God. And I have discovered over these 48 years of walking with God that most people that fall for something false was looking for something anyway. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Come on. Because see, this life of faith is not for... How shall I say? Pansies. Is that a good word? I hope that's not a nasty word. It's, it's not for, well, we used to say sissies. You know. It's not for the, for the uh, faint of heart. Thank you, sir. Amen. It's a fight. It is a fight. But it's a fight you can win. You know, I, I love the verse Paul says, God will not allow the adversary to tempt you with anything. And one translation says that he has not already determined that you can outlast it. In other words, when Satan comes up with a temptation, God checks it out first and makes sure that you have the ability and the power and the know-how and the spiritual goods on the inside to overcome it. So whatever you're going through right now, God predetermined that you got the goods to beat it. And he will provide also a way of escape. Can you say amen? So Satan's limited with what he can attack you with. What he can come against you with. Amen. So Paul once again was shocked at how quickly these people were removed from the faith. And once again he called them foolish for allowing this to happen. He said they were bewitched. Another word for bewitched, uh, not only charmed, but also captivated. Something captivated their attention. You know, turned on that television set and saw somebody preaching, captivated. And it turned out to be not the truth. I would like to be able to tell you that every preacher that has a program on television preaches truth. (laughs) But if you think that, I have some oceanfront property (laughs) in Crowley that I'd like to sell you. (laughs) 
<laughs> amen. <laughs> That's not the truth. Can you say amen? amen? So, captivated. People get captivated. That, that's what happened to me when I heard the call to preach. I was captivated, but in a right direction, a right way. I was 11 years old, watching Oral Roberts on television. My grandmother's home in Oklahoma City. Somebody turned on her old black and white Philco television set. And the first thing I saw was Oral Roberts under the big tent preaching his most famous tent sermon called The Fourth Man. I was captivated. And I heard the call of God while he was preaching. Someday you'll preach like that. You'll pray for people like that. I thought it was my two cousins standing on either side of me, but they had, they had walked away. And I'm standing there, and I knew it was the voice of God. I was captivated. <clears throat> Amen. But that's not what I wanted to do, so I ran from it. But, you know, the, the Lord has a way of not giving up on people even though he was fouling up my plans I didn't want to preach in fact I even said to him tell that to someone who really wants to do that no but he wouldn't leave me alone and eventually February the 11th 1969 I surrendered my life to the Lord and now I have been captivated all these years by his goodness by, by his um, amazing ability to do what people say is impossible. But some people get captivated in the wrong way. They're captivated by things that sound good but are not accurate. Amen. You know, I was talking to T.L. Osborne years ago and he made this statement. He said, today you're hearing a lot of teaching that I heard 40 years ago. It was just under a different name. So the devil comes around, you know, and, and brings back something to captivate people and to deceive people, but he just gives it a different name. Yeah, that's good. He, he's, he's not as brilliant as he'd like for you to think he is. That's right. Amen. 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 He has old tricks and he just renames them he's a deceiver amen and these people were deceived deceived in something that sounded good but was not accurate and therefore they had fallen away they lost their fervor they lost their passion and Paul says you are foolish for allowing this to happen Now, go to Galatians 5 and look at verse 7. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? You did run well. They started out running well, but then hindrances came and they quit obeying the truth. Verse 8 says, This passion cometh not of him that calleth you. In other words, this is not God who has caused this to happen to you. This was not God who brought you this false teaching. This was not God who deceived you. 
Persuasion implies communication to induce belief or action contrary to the truth. Let me say it again. This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. Persuasion implies communication or teaching to induce belief or action that is contrary to the truth. It's one of Satan's ways to rob you of God's best. And notice the phrase again, you did run well. This speaks of that intensity, that fire, that excitement, that passion that we talked about at the beginning. The message translation says, you were running superbly. Superbly means with intensity and with discipline. You were running well with intensity, with discipline. One commentary states, all was going well at first. Which, what sudden intruder has stopped your path and led you astray? Certainly, it was not God. Notice once again, all was going well at first. What sudden intruder has stopped your path and led you astray? Certainly, it was not God. They had made a good start, just like Christians do today. They start off well, but then suddenly they change their course. The fire went out. The passion went out. And obviously, the Apostle Paul says, this was not of God. And then, once again, it's hard for him to identify with their lifestyle because that's totally the opposite of the way he lived his life. I personally don't understand people going back. To what? <laughs> I don't, I, I'm never pulled to go back. Because the way I lived B.C. before Christ, I was existing then. Not living, just existing. I didn't start living until I made Jesus Lord of my life. Until I learned I had a covenant with God. Until I found out God is a good God and he loves me. Hallelujah. That was life changing. Amen. I have a hard time identifying with people that turn back. Now I know who's behind it. Satan. The intruder. That's what Paul calls him. An intruder. And they fell for something that sounded good but was not accurate. And they begin to turn back. Galatians 1.6 says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that calleth you. Paul describes his attitude, which was totally different than theirs, in Philippians 3.14. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Notice he said, I marvel that you're so removed. But I press... (laughs) You were removed, but I press. Amen. Amen. Totally opposite of the way they lived their Christian lives. What does it mean by I press? It means to push forward with everything that is within you and to do so with intensity, praise God. I press, Paul said. And remember, this man faced adversity every day of his life. Go read Corinthians. He gives a partial list of some of the things he went through. 
And, and most of those things would cause any person to want to give up and quit. But he refused to. He said in Acts 20, you've heard me say it before. None of these things move me. My favorite phrase in the Bible. None of these things move me. Amen. That's the way Paul lived his life. And he was, he was forewarned that every city that he visited, trials, bonds, and afflictions awaited him. Now, how'd you like to get up one day and say, you know, Lord, I, I've agreed to go preach in uh, Austin, Texas. And the Lord says, and when you get there, trials and bonds and afflictions will await you. You'd start backstroking. Maybe I ought to go to Odessa. You know. And then he says, more bonds, more afflictions. No, when Paul was told in advance that every city he went to, adversity would be awaiting him there. And he immediately said, but none of these things move me. None of these things move me. Now, can you see how difficult it would be for him to identify with people who were so soon removed? And his attitude was, none of these things move me. They were removed from what he had taught them. And you know what he taught them? He even said in the book of Galatians, I did not get my revelation from men. I got it by direct revelation from Jesus himself. So you know he's preaching truth. Jesus revealed it to him. And yet they were so soon removed. But his attitude was, I press. I press. I push forward with everything that is within me and I do so with intensity. He went on to say that I will finish my course. None of these things move me and I will finish my course. But then he added this, with joy. (laughs) With joy. Everything the man went through and, and you and I will never go through everything that he went through. And yet he said, I will finish my course and I plan to do it with joy. Amen. Amen. How can you do that with joy? You know, I read the scripture in Hebrews one time years ago. <clears throat> it said, Jesus endured the cross with joy. The shame of the cross with joy. I said, Jesus, how in the world could you possibly endure the cross with joy? Knowing what you were facing, knowing that what was ahead. He said, I knew it'd be all over in three days. <laughs> when you know that it's going to be over, maybe not in three days. Maybe you don't know how long, but you do know that God promised it's not permanent. It's seasonal. Can you say amen? amen. Then you can endure it with joy. Amen. So notice he says in Philippians 3.15, talking about the way he lived his life. He said, let us therefore be thus minded. In other words, I'd like for you people to have the same kind of mindset that I have, that none of these things move me. 
that I will finish my course and I will do so with joy. That's, that's the way he believed every believer should live their lives. And that's possible for every believer. It wasn't something that Paul had that we don't have access to. Amen. We have the ability to live the same life of faith, this life of fervency, this life of passion for God, the same way he did. Amen. Amen. So let us therefore be thus minded. And then in Philippians 3.17, he said, be followers together of me. In other words, let me be an example to you. I've been through hard times, but follow my example. I didn't give up. Let me be an example to you, Paul says. Look at, look at the, the adversity that I've been through. Snake bites, shipwreck, angry mobs, stonings, beatings, left for dead, hunger, thirst. I'm still here. <laughs> Let me be an example to you that you can overcome, that you can win, that this thing will turn out for your good. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen. In, his, in his mind, burnout was not a consideration. Amen. No matter how difficult it became, no matter what circumstances he might face, burnout, give up, turn back was not a consideration. Now, go back to the statement, ye did run well, Galatians 5, 7. You did run well. This speaks of at the beginning of their conversion, just like everybody at the beginning of their conversion, they took off running. Oh man, what an exciting life. You remember when you finally made Jesus the Lord of your life? I can remember it just like it was yesterday. Standing in front of that living room window, looking out and finally saying, God, I can't run anymore. Three o'clock in the morning. Carolyn was sound asleep. Three o'clock in the morning, I got up and I went in that living room. I said, God, if you still want me, I don't know why you would. I've been running from you since I was 11 years old, but here I am. I surrender my life to you. Oh, I'll tell you that very moment, I'm looking out at the window into the heavens and it felt like the sun was shining on nobody but me. I, it was such a glorious, and I know everybody's had different examples. You don't have to have, you know, like my example. I, had, I heard somebody say, it's like a glory ball hit me in the back. I thought, where's them glory balls? <laughs> it, it just felt like to me, the sun was shining on nobody but me at that moment. There was such a warmth. I knew that I knew that my life was about to change. And I began to pray in tongues. And I prayed in the Spirit from 3 o'clock in the morning till nearly 7 the next morning, the same morning. And when I stopped praying in the Spirit, my wife, Carolyn, was sitting on the sofa, and her mother was sitting there next to her, and they're both crying. And I turned and I said, guess what happened to me? (laughs) Carolyn said, we know. She said, I heard something going on in the living room and I looked and noticed you weren't in bed and I got up and come in here and saw you praying in the spirit and said, I had to call mama and tell her, come see what's happening to Jerry. 
And she sat there because she'd been praying for me. You know, she'd been praying for me all this time. And, and uh, you know, I walked over to Carolyn. I said, forgive me for acting like a fool all these years. We'd been married three years at that time. Forgive me from running, for running from God, running from my calling. Now, I reached, I've been over and kissed her. Then I walked over to my mother-in-law and I said, forgive me for being such a jerk and, and running from God like this and, and fussing with all y'all but over this salvation thing. And I kissed her right on the lips <laughs> and told her I loved her. And that's when I knew this was real. Praise God. Because <laughs> me and mom-in-law... Uh, went round and round a few times. Uh, I think she, I think she found a scripture. I haven't found it yet about nag your son-in-law into the kingdom. You know, <laughs> but she wouldn't give up. Praise God. She kept praying. Thank God she did. And, and from that moment, I didn't have a mother-in-law anymore. I had another mama. Praise God. And to this day, she thinks me and God hung the moon. So please don't tell her any difference. Praise God. Amen. She's a sweet lady, and she's prayed all her family in to the kingdom of God. Amen. Now, I remember that day. First thing I thought was, went to church. What day is it? I don't remember what February the 11th, 69 was, but when do we go to church? Now, before they're having to make me go, con me into going, you know. <laughs> But now I want to know when's church? When do we when do we go to church? Man, I don't I don't want to sit on the back road no more. I want as close to the front as I can get, you know. And uh, man, I'm soaking it all in. I'm taking it all in. See, I'm, I, I, I I've experienced the new birth. I got that fire. Man, that that Bible Carolyn gave me. I didn't know where I'd put it. She gave me a Bible when I opened my shop. And as soon as she left, I hid it. I didn't want, I didn't want customers seeing a Bible on my desk. I hid it. And I, I went to find that Bible, and I found it under all of my paint catalogs. I got that Bible out, started reading it, you know, couldn't get enough. And I'm young. You know, I don't know anything. But I couldn't get enough. When do we go to church again? You know, and then they'd had guest speakers. Hilton Sutton came. He's one of the first guest speakers I heard preach. Hilton Sutton. Wow, did God ever set me up? <laughs> talking about the end times. Yes. Talking about, you know, how exciting it was to live for Christ. And, and I just couldn't get enough. I began, as Paul described, a race. Yes. Amen, a race. And this race that Paul talks about is not, contrary to what some people believe, it's not a sprint. Yes, 100-yard dash. Come on. 100 meters dash. Come on. Where you start out running as fast as you can go for a short distance. Give it all you've got for a short distance. That is not a description of the Christian race. It's an endurance race. Right. <clears throat> And then it's an endurance race. When, when I was in high school, I played baseball and I, and I run track. And I was a long distance runner. 
And there was three guys on our track team that ran the mile. Three other guys. And one of them was a very good friend of mine. His name was Charles Stampley. And uh, when we'd compete to see who went to the meet, track meet, Danny Britt always was the fastest. He was tall and long-legged. We couldn't keep up with him. I had, I'd, I'd take three strides to his one, long legs, you know, and, and I just forget trying to catch Danny. And then Charles was second, and I was third, but they're only, they, you only got to have the first two fastest that went to the tournament. And usually I came in third. But I trained and trained and trained, and I was determined to beat Charles. I knew I couldn't beat Danny, but I believe I can beat Charles. Now, this is a long-distance race, you know, not a sprint. And one day, we were having the Woodlawn High School Track and Meet Tournament. Man, I wanted to run in that one. And I was beating Charles. And I come around for the last lap, running the mile. I come around for the last lap, and I look back to see where Charles was. I can see the finish line. And I look back and lost my footing and went tumbling on those cinders. And Charles passed me up with a smile on his face. <laughs> oh, I was so disappointed. That was the first time I was going to beat Charles. And I looked back and stumbled, and Charles went past me. How many Christians does that describe? Amen? Almost to the finish line. And they look back. They, they get their eyes on something that is not even relevant to finishing. Get their eyes on something that, you know, has absolutely nothing to do with finishing. Just like Peter. They're in the boat. Jesus comes walking toward them on the sea. Walking on the sea. Peter gets up and sees him and says, Master, if it be you, bid me come. He wanted to join Jesus walking on the sea. Jesus simply said, come. The Bible says Peter got out of the boat and started walking to Jesus. Now that's amazing in itself. Yes, sir. It does not say, and immediately he sunk. <laughs> The moment he got out of the boat, it said he started walking to Jesus. And he would have reached Jesus, except something happened before he got there. He saw the wind. He saw the wind. Boisterous, it says. And seeing the wind, apparently he had the thought. You can't walk on water when it's windy. Amen. It has to be calm for you to do this. He was doing it. He was already walking on the water. And he saw the wind and had the thought, you can't walk on water when it's windy. It has to be calm. And then he began to sink. Amen. Jesus reached down and grabbed him. That's a beautiful story. Jesus reaches down and grabs him. 
But it would have been a more beautiful story, a more powerful story if Peter had made it all the way out there. And then they walked back to the boat and Peter said, come on, boys, we can do this. And they all got on the water and walked and sold the boat, gave the money to the poor. (laughs) What do we need a boat for? He looked back. Amen. Deception is Satan's mightiest weapon. Without deception, he can't defeat you. Can you say amen? Amen. So the life of the believer is described as a race. It's not a short distance race. It's an endurance race. It's not giving it all you've got for a short distance. It's pacing yourself. Amen. And keep picking up the speed as you're near the end. Amen. The coach used to say, finish with a strong kick, boys. Finish with a strong kick. You know? Amen. The first few months, when you come to the Lord, might seem easy. You're excited about this new life. You can't get enough teaching. Can't wait to go to church. Your prayers are being answered. Everything seems to be going well. You seem to be growing in the things of God. You're making steady progress, but then you suddenly begin to face some hurdles, some tests, and some trials seem to be coming at you in every direction. How many of you remember that? Man, every prayer I prayed in those early days, it just came to pass. Dear Lord, man, wow, where's this been all my life? (laughs) Teaching, glory to God, wasn't that good tonight, Carolyn? Man, can't hardly wait until tomorrow night. Amen. But then, all of a sudden, these prayers seem to be taking longer to answer. <laughs> you know, adversity is coming your way. The devil quits throwing fiery darts. Now it's missiles. <laughs> you know, and then you run into a few Christians that Say, well, wait till you've been in it as long as we have. You won't have all that fire. (laughs) Amen. Lose your fervency. This is where you find out what you're really made of. James 1, 2 through 4 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. The literal says test and trials. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Now, nobody likes tests and trials. But according to this, you can't develop patience without them. Amen. Test and trials work with patience. Now, the Bible makes it very clear, don't blame God. When a man is tested, don't let him say, I'm tested of God. But God has already created on the inside of you, because patience is a gift of the Spirit, or a fruit of the Spirit. He's already put on the inside of you 
a mechanism to counter tests and trials Amen. with patience. Yes. Patience means being constant, consistent, never changing regardless of the circumstances. Faith and patience. I'll never forget the day way back in the oh, middle 70s. Kenneth Copeland preached a sermon on faith and patience, the power twins. Yes. <laughs> Amen, the power twins. The Bible shows us that faith or, or patience is like a, a structure that undergirds your faith. Just like that bridge crossing a body of water. There's an understructure there to hold that bridge, support that bridge. Faith will get you across the water. But when you experience adversity before you get there, patience is the understructure that supports the faith. Can you say amen? amen? And so notice here he says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh or puts to work patience. Now, a lot of people, the the patience never comes out of them because they give up too soon. And God already put on the inside of you a mechanism that is designed to support your faith and keep you from wavering. But but you have to tap into it, but you'll never get there if you give up. Amen? You ought to be saying, when that moment comes when you feel like you can't stand anymore, all right, patience, be a wonderful time for you to kick in. <laughs> Amen. It works patience. Now listen to the message translation. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. Under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. Here's where we find out if you will remain faithful. Amen. It's where we find out if you will remain faithful. Will you continue the race or do you drop out? If you decide to stick it out, then something powerful happens. The New International Version says, whenever you face trials of many kinds, you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Perseverance. You know, they used to teach us uh, in running that, uh, you know, if you've trained properly, you can always count on that second wind kicking in. Amen? Is that right? People that have been involved in sports, a second wind. It's when you think you can't run anymore. You think you can't carry that ball anymore. You think that you're done, that you have, you have already spent all the energy that you had. But if you've trained properly, there comes a second wind. And when that second wind kicks in, you're able to do things you thought you couldn't do. Amen. Amen. And that's what, that's what happens when the believer faces adversity that he thinks he can't overcome if he's trained properly. What I mean by training properly? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You've been in the Word. You've been in prayer. You've been in fellowship with God. 
all those things that are necessary for you to live a, a, a victorious Christian life. If you've done your homework, if you've invested in the word and prayer, then you can count on that spiritual second wind kicking in and enabling you to endure the unendurable. Yes, yes, sir. Give the Lord a shout if you believe it. Praise God. Amen. Faith produces perseverance. And perseverance is simply the ability to finish the race. No burning out for you, regardless of the circumstances. Some people go through exactly the same trials that you went through. They burn out and you keep winning. You keep running. You stay in the race. Amen. Praise God. Now you remember, the Holy Spirit said to us in November 2016 that the word of the Lord was that the faithful shall flourish. And it'll be like days of heaven on earth. The faithful shall flourish. What are faithful people? People that stay in the race. Amen. People that remain fervent, even regardless of their circumstances. People that stay passionate about God, regardless of what they're going through. Amen. They're still in the race. And he said, the faithful shall flourish and it will be like days of heaven on earth. We read that from Deuteronomy chapter 21. The New Living Translation says, so that you and your children may flourish in the land that the Lord swore to give you and your ancestors. Psalm 92 said, the righteous shall flourish. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. And fat here means prosperous. It means it means enjoying God's best, hallelujah. They're fat and flourishing. Now, the Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6 from the message translation. Now, these people, the Philippians or the Christians in Philippi, they were going through great adversity just like the Christians in Galatia, just like the Christians in Rome. Every one of those letters were written to people that were facing adversity. And he says in Philippians 1.6, the message translation, there has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish. Hallelujah. God will keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish right up until the day that Jesus comes. Hallelujah. Look at somebody and say, I am headed for a flourishing finish. All I got to do is stay in the race. Can you say amen? That's God's promise. He wants you and I to have a flourishing finish. Amen. If we just simply stay in the race. Tell somebody again, I'm headed for a flourishing finish. Folks, this is not the time to let your fire go out. This is not the time to lose your fervency. 
This is not the time to look for ways to turn back. Praise God. Turn up the heat, praise God. Amen. What's that old saying? If you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. Well, turn up the heat. You know how to do it. You've done it before. You were once fiery, passionate. Well, go back to those days. Do what you did back then. Amen. Pull yourself back in front of that mirror and remind yourself. When you first got into this, there was no stopping you. Your attitude was, come what may, I'll serve the Lord to stay. Hallelujah. Amen. Get back in the word like you've never been in it before. Go back and get those old tapes that stirred you up. I've had, you know, I'm not the, the expert on all this new equipment and new technology, but I have people in my office that I pay to do that. <laughs> Amen. And I've had them download all my old Oral Roberts tapes, all my Kenneth Hagen tapes, Kenneth Copeland, T.L. Osborne, and, and, and uh, uh, John Osteen. I've had them to download all of those old messages that I started my walk in, that I listened to when I first came to the Lord. I've got 1,200 sermons on something I can stick in my shirt pocket. And I go on a trip, I get that iPod out, put them earplugs in, and I'm listening to somebody preach on faith, preaching on how to win Write your ticket with God, hallelujah. All those old messages that changed my life back there 48 years ago. And as I'm listening to them, they're doing the same thing. Fire me up, praise God. Sometimes when I'm on a commercial flight, I get so excited, I get to kick in the bulkhead and go to laughing and shouting. And they'll say, don't give him anything else to drink. I don't need what they got, praise God. Amen. I'm staying in the race. I've been at it 48 years. Why should I stop now? Praise God. You may be just starting your race. Stay in the race. Stay in the race. Because you are headed for a flourishing finish. Praise God. Come on, give the Lord a shout today. Amen. Reignite your passion for God like never before. Forget the things of the past and press on. You might have made mistakes before. God forgives. Just get your eyes back on God. Get back in the race and determine that you are going to finish and that you are going to have a flourishing finish. Praise God. Proverbs 28, 20, a faithful man shall abound with blessings. Now close it with this. One of the saddest scriptures in the entire Bible. Isaiah 64, 7. And there is none that calleth upon thy name and stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. There is none that stirreth up himself that calleth upon thy name and stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. Saddest, one of the saddest verses in the Bible. 
In Isaiah's day, he said, I can't find anybody that'll take hold of you, that'll stir himself up. God forbid that that not be a description of you and me. Amen. Amen. But notice also that if any, if any stirring is going to be done in your life, you're going to do it yourself. I can't do it for you. All I can do is preach to you the benefits of being stirred up. You ought to be stirred up, but I can't make you. I can't do your stirring up for you. You have to make the choice yourself. Can you say amen? amen. So my message to you today is rekindle the passion. Rekindle the fire, praise God. And if you still have the fire, take it to another level. There's always another level. Turn up the heat, praise God. Come on, give the Lord a shout this morning. Amen. Come on, Justin.